0: Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Good evening. Got dark early, didn't it? Time change. change. It's good to see all of you tonight. All right, I'm excited to bring some good word to you tonight. All the Bible's good word. So uh, take your Bibles, and let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 18. Tonight I want to just encourage you, those of you that might need a second wind tonight. Anybody know what a second wind is? Anybody ever run track in here? No one that... That burst of energy kicks in all of a sudden just when you think you're about to quit. And all of a sudden something changes. We're going to look into the, uh, the ministry of Paul here for a moment and see where he got a second wind. Now I want to just give you a little um, prequel coming into Acts chapter 18. Talk about some of the things that Paul had experienced up until this point. In Acts chapter 16, he had um, him and Silas had been thrown in prison because they had um, cast the devil out of a girl who was bringing a lot of profit to these soothsayers. And they cast the devil out of her, and when that happened, all their profit stopped. So they, they uh, rallied against Paul and Silas, had them thrown in jail. They were beaten with rods, and they were thrown in prison. And down at the very bottom of the prison, The Bible says and at midnight they were praising God. And God performed a miracle. And they got out of prison. And then Acts chapter 17, they leave there. Now that happened at Philippi. If you remember in the very beginning of Acts chapter 16, Paul had the vision... the man in Macedonia saying, come, on, come over and help us. Remember him and Timothy had already been to two other places that the Holy Spirit forbid them to be there. and So they continued to move forward, finally had the vision. So they get there and they get beat. I mean, yeah, not very encouraging, is it? Get to Macedonia, down to Philippi, which is actually the, the, the innermost of Macedonia. And so they've had this trouble. They've, they've been beaten. And as a matter of fact, the man who beat them, took them to his house, the jailer who beat them, took them to his house and cleaned up their wounds and fed them dinner. Isn't that awesome about the restoring power of Almighty God? And that man and all of his house were saved. So then they leave there and then he ends up in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. Paul preached there and, and this... Tumult arose, and, and they attacked a man named Jason. Apparently, Paul had been staying at Jason's house. It didn't tell us he was, but that's where they knew to go. And so they, they grabbed Jason and his household, and they, they dragged them out. And they're, I mean, they're violently dragging these guys through the streets. And, um, and then they, they, they threaten them and then make them post-bail, take their money, and then send them home. I mean, these are people that are just associated with Paul are now finding trouble. And then, so they got them out of. They got Paul and Silas out of town, and Timothy was actually in this company with them to Berea. So Paul preaches in Berea. The Jews from Thessalonica heard about what was going on in Berea, Berea, because many people had believed in Thessalonica, and that's what the Jews said. We got to get him out of here. So then they heard about he was over in Berea doing the same thing. So then they they caused uh, the crowd to to uh, be stirred up, and uh, and so they finally got Paul out of there by boat. He actually left Timothy. And Silas, it must have been in such a hurry to get him out of there. So he's running for his life, basically, at this point. He's already endured some rough things since he's come into this calling. And he ends up in Athens without Silas and Timothy. But the thing about Paul is he's so consumed with the grace of God, he ends up looking for opportunity to preach even in Athens. Doesn't have a support team, but he walks in there and he sees all these idols everywhere. And he sees this one idol and this inscription over it. Or actually, it just says, just an in inscription. It says, To the unknown God. So Paul takes the opportunity to preach on the unknown God. He said, I'm here to tell you about the guy you don't know. He's the Lord of all the heaven and all the earth. When in him, this is where he said, In him we live and move and have our being, right? So, uh, and by the time he spoke of Jesus being raised from the dead, so he's, he's, he's got an open audience up at Mars Hill. He's got all these men who want to, the Bible says that they had, this, um, they had this thing about them that they they always wanted to know something new. They're all about knowledge, getting more knowledge, getting more knowledge. So they want to know something new. So he's, he's preaching to them this new thing they'd never heard. And he comes to this consummate point of Jesus raising from the dead. And at that point, he lost a lot of his crowd. They started mocking him, thinking, resurrection of the dead. But some did believe. They're calling him a babbler and And he continually faced abuse and ridicule and hardships. Now we come to 18. Look at verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens, went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Paul always found an opportunity to preach. Wherever he went, he went wherever he could teach them. Wherever a crowd was gathered, that's where he was. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now, he testified to the Jews here. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. More hardships. More resistance. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshipped God. Some people believe this was Titus who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. Now, you realize how huge this is right here, that the ruler of the synagogue became a Messianic Jew. All right? This man believed on Jesus and all of his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Nine. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Listen to what he says. Do not be afraid. Why is he telling him don't be afraid? Because he's probably afraid. It's deep revelation out there, isn't it? So don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. And we see the kind of condition Paul was in by the time he had come to this point, by the time he had arrived in Corinth after, after the, the beating he had received in Philippi and after the trouble he had faced in Thessalonica as well as Berea and also in Athens. And now he's here. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 He says something profound to these guys. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This is the condition this man is in by the time he arrives at Corinth. He's in weakness and fear and much trembling. Now, when I think of the Apostle Paul, this is not what I see. Right? But I'm kind of glad to see it too. That shows me that he's a human. He's just a man. And that God can do amazing things through people. That even though his flesh seemed to be falling apart, yet something extraordinary was happening. And God spoke to him, even in this condition, ladies and gentlemen, of weakness, fear, and trembling. And he said, Paul, don't be afraid. Number one thing we're learning here tonight from what he spoke to Paul in the moment when you need that second wind is to know that God is with you. Everybody say, the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Now, I've got to read this scripture to you. Um, You know, the second wind, it's that moment when there's, like I said, it's where there's a new burst of energy. You feel your stride strengthen all of a sudden. You've been beating your wings against the gravitational pull, but all of a sudden, an undergirding wind begins to blow. So you can just spread your wings and glide on that wind's resource. I love those moments. It says, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Here God offers his presence. Here he offers his protection, and here he offers his potentiality. God told Paul, I am with you. Now I want to read from Hebrews chapter 13. If you have your Amplified Bible tonight, you can read that, but we're also going to look at it on the screen. This is so beautifully said. I looked it up in the Greek, and, I, and I, the Amplified says this so well, I just had to read it for you tonight. Let your character of moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances in and with what you have. For He, God, Himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or or relax my hold on you? Assuredly not. I mean, how how else can God tell you? So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Woo! He says, I will not, the word never there is in the Greek three times never. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you. Yeah. What can man do to me? His, God's presence, and I've talked to you about this before, the presence of God is known in His promise. That's why you must see the Word of God as more than than just an inspirational book. You must see the Word of God more than just a book that's difficult to understand. But see it as alive and teeming with the presence of the living God. If you look at the Word of God upon it and see it as a face-to-face meeting with God Himself... Rather than just ink and pages. But this is a moment when you open the Word to go, there He is. Yeah. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Yeah. Because God's presence is in His promise. And I'll show it to you. Look at, look at 2 Peter chapter 1 for a moment. You all know John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word. So God makes no separation from Himself and His Word. The Word is God. Amen? His name is Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as His divine power has given, everybody say has given, Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious what? Promises, that through these, that through these what? That through these what? That through these promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of what? Of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you look like God through His promises. You act and you talk and you experience God through His exceedingly great and precious promises. It's how you show what God looks like. When you embrace His promise, then it gives you the ability then to look like Him. His presence is in His promise. His divine nature is in His promise. And those promises are are the door. That is the door that we walk through to partake in that divine nature. His righteousness, His holiness, His purity, His power. That thing which you hang out with, you become like. I don't know how many times... We've heard this said or even seen it and said it ourselves that two people, when they're married long enough, what do they start looking like? Each other. Boy, I hope Heather rubs off on me more than I do on her. <laughs> but they start looking like each other, right? And not only that, <laughs> they not only look at each other, but they many times can complete each other's sentences. I like listening to old couple been married a long time. Like my grandparents, my grandpa, he would start something and my grandmother would do her dead level best to finish the story for him. He'd get so frustrated at her. (laughs) But she knew where he was going. There was something comforting about it too. The longer you believe And the longer that you confess the promises of God over your life, the more your life will be transformed into the image of that promise. Not only will it be in your mouth, it'll be in your life. It'll be the way you live your life. Through those promises, we are partakers of His divine nature. And then it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's like it gives you a shield about you to keep you from sin. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Sin has no dominion. Because you're under the law, you're under grace. Hebrews 6.12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. That's why I'm saying the longer you're doing this, When you make this a lifestyle of faith, not a one-shot chance, not a roll the dice, spin the wheel, hope I win. It's a lifestyle that just shall live by faith. And the longer that you live your life and the longer you give yourself to the Word of God and to His exceedingly great and precious promises, then the more that you are going to begin to look like Him. That's why I was saying earlier, just keep doing the same thing. Just keep believing because that's the key every time. Yeah. Faith wins every time. This is how you can continue, continually know that God is with you. See, yeah. you'll never question his presence uh-huh. when you're consumed with his promise. Yeah. His word, I like the way Romans 10 8, 10, 8 says, uh, He says, But what does it say, or what does the scripture say? The word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith, which we preach. See, that word of faith, it's there. It's in you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's near you. And if that's near you, his presence is near you. And that's, that's what I want to encourage you in that, in that moment of discouragement, in that moment when you feel like you just can't be stretched anymore, that you understand the presence of God is there with you. God's with you. He's never left you. He's never left you. Maybe every good feeling left you, but God never left you. Maybe your friend left you, but God didn't leave you. Maybe your money left you, but God didn't leave you. Maybe your health left you for a moment, but God didn't leave you. All right? And as long as He's there, you, get, you can get all that stuff back. Amen. I am with you, He said. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. And He says, No one will attack you or hurt you. Everybody say protection. I think everybody in this room could think of a time when if things didn't go the right way, you wouldn't be here tonight. Uh Hmm? That you could have been in that graveyard just like anybody else. Uh Just a few more feet in that car. Right? But God protected you. I think about a time when I, I was riding, I, was, I don't know, maybe I was 13 years old, and I was just riding little BMX bikes, and my buddy, Dave Levesque, came over to my house. <laughs> right after Christmas, he got a brand new 10-speed for Christmas. And so I'd never ridden a bike like that. It was so tall, and, and I said, he said, you want to try it? Well, I didn't want chicken out in front of my buddy. I said, yeah, I want to try it. So I get on this bike, and it's a beautiful beautiful bike. And so, and I'm running this thing and I'm switching gears, trying to learn it, you know, and going, man, this thing speeds up really quick. This is way different than my little BMX bike. And I'm zipping down our block and I go to turn left and there's some loose gravel out in the road. And so I'm so concerned about that gravel. I I mean, I already feel unsteady on this bike. And I just got the handlebars, you know, that hook like this. So I've got my, my hands up there. And so I'm trying to easily, and I'm flying. And I don't really know how to work the brakes. I'm used to just, you know, back brake. And, and so I'm trying to go around <laughs> this gravel, not looking up ahead of me as a parked car. And I just, wham, and just flip right over the car. Land in these people's yard, and I'm, I'm laying there. And my head, I'm telling you, my head is that close to a sidewalk. And I, there was not one bit of pain, not not one ounce of pain. I laid there. I thought I was dead. It felt so good. And I thought, how did that not hurt? Not one bit of, not one scratch, nothing. However, the bicycle. And I walked back over to the bike after I realized that was okay. You know, I got up and I'm like, I, I just remember going, Lord, that was incredible. How did that? I'm alive, and I don't even hurt. So I walked over to that bike, and I picked it up. Boom, boom, boom. That front, I bent that front rim. Oh, my gosh. And then I had to face Dave Levesque. And uh, to this day, I don't think he's forgiven me for that. But I think about moments like that in my life. I think about moments like that when that could have been so bad. But God was protecting me. Lots, of, I mean, I, th- I think we all have more, Brandon has lots of instances in his life, but <laughs> God is there, and the one thing that he brings as your overseer, ladies and gentlemen, is protection. Yeah. Now, I just want to read Psalm 91 to you, all right? Remember I've talked to you about, and I'm going to read the Amplified version again because sometimes it just says it so well, but every, I like the way Daniel Plowman said this, and it's something I've I've adopted and said many times. He said, when Christ hung on that cross, there was a filter there. And every curse that was coming towards humanity was stopped that filter. And every blessing rushed on through. The curse has been broken. Jesus Christ became a curse for us. There's absolutely no power of any curse over your life. None. He became a curse. And the Bible says, you became blessed. So it don't matter what the soothsayers and the witches and <laughs> the goofballs are out there doing, putting a hex on you. Has, no, has nothing on you. Has nothing on you. No power. Zero power. I said zero power. And the curse of sin, zero power. Because he became a curse and you became blessed. Psalm chapter 91, let's look at this. Verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable. I like that. And fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. Do you see what it says? No foe. (laughs) Everybody say no foe. I'm not cussing. I will say of the Lord. Now listen to what David says. You hear me when when we're talking about the power of your confession? That the spirit of faith is believing and speaking. Right? Faith has a voice. Faith comes by hearing, but faith is released by speaking. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Why don't you just say that? He is my refuge. And my fortress. My God. On him I lean and rely, and in him confidently trust. All right? Oh. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Pestilence, I like this word. I mean, I don't like the word, but I, I like what it delivers you from. Pestilence means a deadly or a virulent epidemic disease, it, bubonic plague. Something that is considered harmful, destructive, or evil. That's the definition of pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions. Pinions are just feathers. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. Listen to these these promises of protection. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night. There ain't no reason to be scared of the dark. Nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 that says that when you have the shield of faith, that you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of who? Of the wicked one. Well, what are those fiery darts? Is he literally throwing darts with tar on the end of them caught on fire? No, accusations. Remember, James says the tongue is set on fire of hell, (laughs) right? He's spewing out this, but by faith you go, nope, nope. Nor of the pestilence or disease or any evil thing that stalks in darkness, nor of destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. This is what you've been delivered from. This is the kind of protection that you have. A thousand, you you hear me say some of this when I pray over you. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but you're going to be the only one standing. Shall not come near you. Anybody believe this tonight? Only a spectator shall you be, I love this, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Now, that ain't a good reward. It says you're inaccessible to their reward because you're under the shadow of the wing. You're just watching them all fall, watching every enemy be destroyed, resting in the secret place. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you nor any plague or calamity come near your tent or your dwelling. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. Isn't this amazing? They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is how much God cares for you that you can be so, so uh, walking by faith in God's promise and, and understanding, keeping this understanding that He gives His angels charge over you, you won't even stub your toe. It says that unless you dash your foot against a stone. That's the only thing I can imagine. That's what that's saying. You shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion, the serpent shall you trample underfoot, because He has set His love upon me. Now here's God's response. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name, has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. Now I want you to notice here, I want you to notice here that God's not saying, because you understand that I'm the great judge, because you understand how sinful you are, because you understand that a day of wrath is coming. No. He said, because you understand mercy, love, and kindness. Because you understand that I'm a good God. trust and relies on me knowing I'll never forsake him. No, never. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I love this, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why don't we just give God praise for his word tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't think I can even say that. I can't even add to that. Let's just move forward. Verse 10 of Acts chapter 18. For I am with you, presence. No one will attack you to hurt you, his protection. For I have many people in this city. This is the part I want to finish up with. Everybody say potentiality. Potentiality just means possibility. All right? Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 what was God seeing in Corinth? What was He seeing there? Because when Paul showed up there, let me show you what he saw. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, this is what I saw when I first came to town. That's what he's saying. As such were some of you. When I showed up, this is what I saw. And God says... I have people here. Really? This is, the, <laughs> this is what I have to work with? As such were some of But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. See, what happens is there in verse 11 of 18 that we saw, Remember, uh, we, we saw God promising him in verse 10 that he was with him and that no one would attack him to hurt him And it says, and he continued there a year and six months te- teaching the word of God among them. So Paul took what God said and said, Lord, if I'm going to see what you see, then I'm going to teach him your word. Because that's the only way that they can overcome what I'm seeing right now. That's the only way that they can be delivered out of that fornication, out of that adultery, out of that covetousness. It's the only, it's only it's their only hope, is your word. He says, and such were some of you. Hallelujah. See, Paul had had the option at this moment to look at this crowd of people there in Corinth after hearing what God said and think, I don't know, that's a lot of sinners. These people are not worthy of the grace of God. I mean, think about it. This is a Jew looking at pagan Gentiles. They did kind of have that opinion about us. There's too many of them. I'm only one man. What difference can I possibly make? But he heard God say, I have many people in this city. Well, God says stuff like that to us. See, he speaks about your future. And there ain't no way you're seeing what he's saying. He said it to Joshua, see, I've given you the city. Could have fooled me. All I see is a fortified wall. What do you mean, see, I've given you the city? How about you see there's a wall there? Right? I mean, Joshua could have just stood there and argued with God and said, (laughs) I think you come down here and see what I'm seeing. No. He said, see, I've given it to you. Because God's not worried about the hindrance. God's not worried about the amount of time. God's not worried about the challenge. He's not worried about the trouble. He's not worried about the mountain. He's not worried about the wall. All he needs to know is, will you believe me? Will you see what I'm seeing? Will you see the potentiality here in this situation? Because I know you're tired and I know, I know, I know that you're, you've, you're trying and I know that you're working at it, but you've got to keep your head up looking at the possibilities. Because if you'll see the possibilities, then anything is possible. Anything's possible to those who are looking for the possibilities. But if you're not looking for them, then you're not going to find them. See, I've given you the city. You've got to see it, Joshua, before you actually seize it. He tells all of us here tonight what's possible. Mark chapter 5, Jesus says, while he was still speaking, verse 35, some came to the ruler of the synagogue, this is Jairus, 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 I've heard this guy's name, we'll call him J. From the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead, why I trouble the teacher any further? Remember, he came to Jesus and said, please come and heal my daughter. And so Jesus agreed he would come. And on the way there, the woman with the issue of blood came and interrupted that, him going. She gets her miracle. And then the next thing that Jer- Jairus hears is, your daughter's dead, don't even trouble Jesus. Now this guy had an opportunity right here to get really upset with this unclean woman who had no business being in society with her issue of blood. According to the law, she was deemed unclean. Could have blamed her for it. He could have said, well, she's dead. That's it. But Jesus, what did Jesus say to her? I love this. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, as soon as he heard what they said, he said, sorry, man, too late. I'm going home. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. See, right here is where you have, to, you have to decide, I'm going to put my feelings aside about this. Because that, that right there has the potential to make people mad. What do you mean only believe? You're going to attack my faith right now in a moment right now? Oh, don't you know what I'm going through? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to help you. On. Only believe. Don't be, gu- don't, don't be guided by your feelings right now. Yeah. Right. Don't be guided by the grief that you're feeling in your heart. Only believe. This man's condition, his situation went from bad to worse with Jesus standing there next to him. But Lord, things have gotten worse. Only believe. But I don't see any change, Lord. Only believe. But I've done all I can do. Only believe. Only believe. Because if you'll believe then you'll see the possibility. Faith keeps you in the grasp of the possibility. Faith in God keeps your life living in potentiality. God is there in your struggle. God's presence is with you. His protection is on you. And His potentiality is in you. Amen. I just blessed you tonight? All right. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. His presence, his protection, and his potentiality. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible word. Lord, that your word spoken into our lives brings change. We thank you that wherever your word is spoken, there's always, always the opportunity for a new thing. There's always the opportunity for transformation. There's always the opportunity for provision and healing. Blessing, restoration, deliverance. Your word has all of that power in it. And for those who will believe you, God, they get to accept and receive all of its benefits. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Father, I thank you for your blessing on your people, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to live the God kind of life. I thank you, God, that your people truly are blessed. And they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Though their enemy comes at them one way, he has to flee in seven. Hallelujah. Because he is utterly, totally defeated. Because Jesus whooped the dog out of him. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that they continue to ensure and evoke that victory by faith that Christ accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I thank you that your people leave out of here tonight triumphant in victory. Hallelujah. Lord, that their lives flow in the grace of God, that they continue to walk by faith, that they continue to keep the word of God in their mouth. Hallelujah. Father God, I think that this is a people, the people of One Cause Church are people who live in the realities of the promises of God. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that no evil shall befall them. No plague shall come near their dwelling. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I thank you that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn, God. They are the head, not the tail above, not beneath. First not last victors, not victims. I thank you, God, that you caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field. to clap their hands as your people, God, leave from here tonight with the blessing of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.